0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Biff Bites. I'm your host Jerry Me, joined as always by my two awesome co-hosts, Mr. Mike Long and Mr. Brendan Flaherty.
1: How you doing, guys?
2: Good. How you doing? Well,
1: one week to the exam. Here we go. I'm getting excited.
2: Yep. Uh, you might be the only one. <laughs>
0: Yeah, at the time of recording, we are one week and one day from the first day of the March exam. We kind of wanted to get an episode out, but with the hecticness as we're getting down to the last days, uh, we couldn't really do a full episode, but we still wanted to get an episode out for you guys. So we're doing a a real quick one this month, uh, just focused on some of the best tips and tricks to help people get ready as they're coming down to the final hours
2: which i think is important you know that this, this as it's been posed many times this, this test is psychological warfare um and, and so having in the right mindset and you know being able to cope with things is very important to do yeah
0: for sure uh so we all kind of have our favorite tips and tricks uh little things that you can do beyond just the studying and uh hitting the textbooks these are the more you know wellness tips and best practices to set you up for success so we just wanted to kind of share with everyone some of our favorites that we've come across the years and hopefully they can you know help you boost your score those last couple percentage points you need
1: yeah because often that's all it takes one more correct answer so yeah uh, we do need to keep pressing pretty hard until we get really close to the exam and then be more focused on rest and relaxation um Definitely. So, yeah. So let's actually
0: focus on that now as far as, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks. Uh, so where everyone listening uh, who's taking the March exam is either one week away or two weeks away at the most if they're taking the last day of the exam. Um, what are what are some uh tips Mike as far as for people what they should do in this last you know week or two?
1: well obviously, to brush up as best as possible on on any really weak subjects, but without ignoring some of the best subjects so that they can max out the score on their good stuff um but i I find down the stretch it's very helpful to have to really pound your notes, the flashcards that you created for yourself or just spiral pages in a, in a pad, start to pay really close attention to that because it's on those notes that you've really summarized the concept. You've summarized the topic and you want to have the, those few words trigger hopefully complete memory on the important points of that particular topic. So I would I would start to move into that. Um, and, and I think get off of, you know, am I passing and am, am I not passing as there's no practice questions score that's going to guarantee that we we pass and there's not one that guarantees we're going to fail. So just, uh, you know, do your practice questions, but more importantly, review it and see why was that correct answer showing the best one that was offered? Do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> exactly
2: right. Yoda.
0: So, uh, Brendan, you know, I get yep. a, I get students question me all the time, you know, I, I didn't have enough time in the pre-study, I didn't fully read retirement, I, I just don't feel comfortable with it. Um, are, are, should people still be trying to work on basic concepts at this point, or at this point, is it more worthwhile for them to just work on the areas that they do feel comfortable with and basically just hope to uh, get lucky in certain areas?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say that the time for learning is probably over. You know, at this point, you are um, being strategic in, in what time you have left. Uh, you want to exploit your strengths. Um, and then, you know, some of the test tips that I'm sure we're going to get into here in, in this this podcast will will work to mitigate some mistakes, right? So we want to try to be able to narrow things down. There's some standardized test-taking tips that you can, you can leverage. Uh, so if you come across a question you have absolutely no idea on, uh, you can still try to, to to whittle it down to something that gives you a better chance of being correct. But you know, in terms of trying to understand a concept that you don't currently understand, we're probably past that point. Um, and, and, and at this point, you want to exploit the strengths that you do have.
0: Yeah, that actually reminds me. So last week, I was working with a student, and he was really beating himself up over investments because. He just couldn't get the formulas for covariance and beta and trainer sharp Jensen. He was just having a hell of a time with it. Couldn't, you know, grasp it was getting the questions wrong. So I'm like, okay, let's just approach this differently. You don't have enough time to fully understand the math of it. Let's work on the logic side because you're much more, you know, logic based than uh, you know math focused. So what I want you to do is just drill yourself on the definitions of all these formulas, what they're used for. And then approach the questions that way from a logic perspective. And his scores went way up over that because he wasn't focused on the formula. He was focused on the relationship between them and how they interact with each other. And just that simple fact allowed him to whittle down... Uh, the answers to just the couple correct answers that his score went way up because of
2: it. Yeah, I think it's important to to really take that pragmatic approach to these questions, uh, and and it's important to remember that uh, it, it's it, it really is not a math test. It's it's very much a reading comprehension test. And I, the, most people that you talk to after the exam will say that there was less that they had to do with the calculator uh, than they thought going into it. Uh, you know, that being said, you're certainly going to see math, and you're certainly going to see. Uh, times where you have to use that calculator but most people overestimate the amount of times they actually uh engage with the calculator on the test right definitely
0: uh and just knowing that you know how they interact with each other is often enough to get the right answer on a question yeah
2: you know i think you know again when if you if you get blown up on something where you look at and say i've never even heard of this before uh it's not you shouldn't just quit right you should still try to to your point jerry uh, to to see if you can if you can decipher through standardized test taking ideas or through, you know, having some knowledge, uh, a, a way to kind of get through the question and narrow down your choices. Right.
0: Like probably I would say one of the best example is Trainer Jensen Sharp. You know, you might not have any idea how to solve the formulas for those three, but if you know that. Alpha and trainer use beta, and sharp use a standard deviation. You can get a lot of answers correct that way, just based on the information provided. If they give you the beta, and the beta is really high, that tells you you need to look for alpha or trainer. Yep. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yep.
2: Yeah, and I, I mean, and this is not a CFA, right? So, so this is this is it's more important, I think, to the to the CFP board, and it's more important to your success on this test that you're able to interpret the statistics as opposed to quantify the statistics. Uh, You know, that, again, that being said, you're definitely gonna have to quantify some stuff. uh, But in general, you know, your interpretation of what you're looking at uh, is more important.
1: Well, and take that same approach to, um, you know, what your hardest subjects have been. And for a lot of students, um, that would be uh, income tax and estate planning, you know, when they're not working with that on a daily basis, the test does not go ten levels deep on those topics. They expect us to have a general understanding of the different concepts, um, but they're not going to go into tenth level nuance exceptions to the exception. So as you look at those topics, just try to have that general field. You know, why does this exist? What this particular type of trust fund, let's say, what is a what is a client looking for? If this could be the the solution for them, but don't feel like you have to come out of there uh, as a CPA or a estate planning attorney that these questions will be fairly basic um, if you spent time in the content.
2: And don't let Mike scare you, even though he says basic, they're still pretty hard, right? Basic to him, but hard to... Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, every area is.
1: I mean, even even the ones that we feel we know quite a bit about, there's just wording and such. Um, I just don't want someone to throw in the towel thinking I'm just going to mark C on every income tax question. Yeah, you can't do that. Because it's my real weak suit. Read it. Read it fully. Read the choices and, and see how many you can knock out. Usually you can knock out two yeah, and, right away. And to
2: Mike's point, like just don't quit. Like, the, the, if you quit, it's not going to work well. Right? So, so you, need to, you just need to fight your way through. You're going to be exhausted at the end of this. Uh, you're going to be probably a little resentful after the test uh but in, in in general if you don't quit you'll be you'll be all right
1: yeah and and the just know and and this could apply to these last remaining days of study but just know with the exam you're going to have some stretches where you just absolutely know you got the last 5 right yeah and then you're going to hit some stretches where it's like uh-oh I think I've just totally guessed on the last five just know it's coming and don't let it rattle you because, you know, your heart rate goes up and you just have all this adrenaline that's pumping. Just keep going and know that you're going to have both kinds of stretches throughout the, the session. As is
2: everyone else that's taking the test with you, right? So no one's going to get 100 on this test. It just doesn't happen. And and so uh, you, you just need to, to, to Mike's point, understand that, that you're going to have – uh, good turns and bad turns for sure.
0: Whenever I hit those stretches, I like to say to myself, better lucky than good. And that uh, <laughs> that mantra kind of yeah. gets your morale yeah. up as you make your way through those stretches. So as far as the actual study goes, um, a big thing that we tell students first getting into the CFP exam prep is it's not like the Series 7. It's not like the other FINRA exams. You can't just jam practice questions and expect to come out on top. I feel this is the part of studying where that actually stops being true. Now is the time where people should really start working on their practice questions. You know, you've learned everything that you can now is the time to actually just drill it into your mind and just do a ton of practice questions to get ready.
1: Yeah, but I, I agree. And, and as I said, take the time at this last phase, take the time to review what you just did to try to determine what what you missed. Why didn't you get it right? Did you read too quickly, and miss something? Did you make an assumption <laughs> that that wasn't there at, at all? Um, did you just blow it because you were tired? Right. Um, especially if you're doing this late at night. Um, go back though. I think that's as valuable as just loading up another fifty questions. I really do because you can start to see any patterns of errors that are happening. Still, while there's time to fix them, that's right. I- but a lot of students, we all just kind of want to move on. We all just want to load up another 25 instead of really trying to determine what we did wrong. Yeah, in the and, last. And 25. don't
0: get disheartened by it. I was actually working with a student the other day, and it was funny because she showed me the test she took. Uh, she took the same test twice: once in the middle of the day on her lunch break, and once at like nine o'clock at night and the scores were night and day. The one she took late at night was so much worse because she was making so many just silly little errors because she was tired. So, you know, keep that in mind when you're taking practice tests and practice questions. Don't get disheartened. Keep in mind the state of mind and how fresh you are when you're taking those practice tests because it has a big effect on your actual
2: score. And then conflating uh, Jerry's previous point and Mike's last point where, you know, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Uh, and Mike saying, go back and check why you got things wrong. Sometimes you're going to get things right, not because yes. you knew it, but because you yeah. guessed, right? So it's important at that point to go back and understand why that question was right. Just because you got it right doesn't mean you can move on if you really didn't right. know why. So if you don't understand something and <laughs> yep. you need to take a stab at it and you get it right, you should review yep. that too. Exactly. That yep. too.
0: All right. So let's fast forward in time a couple days. You know, people are now getting to the last three or four days uh, before they sit down for the test what are your preparation methods uh f- to get ready in the last couple days
1: i'm always wrapping it up by then i mean I, maybe 2 days before the exam i would have shut down on hardcore study and as i mentioned earlier i was a big flashcard guy that i had written out and i just would flip through the flashcards and in much to my surprise, I could read three or four words and, and really trigger a whole bunch of memory yep. on a particular topic. So I, I kept a backpack with me all the time, and it had uh, the six core subjects. Uh, with I had hole-punched them and put them on rings, and I, was always, I always had a stack of those in my lap every chance I could. But the, the last couple of days, it was all about just resting and, and relaxing and trying not to talk about Uh, topics do you know do what you do um whether that's uh, play golf or get out and run or just listen to music or spend more time with the family those last couple of days because they've missed you during this process and just really focus on being the most energetic self you can be
0: Yeah, I would say that is the time to really start focusing on health and wellness. Um, You know, start eating right if your eating habits have uh, kind of gone downhill in the study process uh, because it takes time for, for those sorts of nutrients to build up in your system again. So it's important to start eating right a few days before, not just the day before or the day of. Um, if you've been skipping going to the gym because you've been busy studying, start going to the gym more so you can you know really get those endorphins up and also really important is uh make sure your sleep schedule is on track. Um, if you're a night owl like me, mm-hmm. make sure you kind of start going to bed a little bit earlier because the test starts really early in the morning for a lot of people. I think, um, you have to be there by like seven thirty. which, uh, if you're someone who goes into the office late, you know, you're, you're one of those brokers who likes to roll in at around 11 a.m. You're going to have to start, uh, adjusting your sleep, just your sleep schedule to get ready. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, now, then's really important to you know get your exercise in line, get your food in line, uh, and get your sleep schedule in line so that you, you're ready to go when it comes for test day.
2: And, and start thinking positively. you know start thinking like I'm gonna pass this test. I know what I'm talking about. I've learned a lot and I can re- you know re- reproduce this information that I've spent all this time. Uh, learning and, and think, you know, start allowing yourself to think that you're going to actually be successful on the exam.
1: Yeah. I always looked at the flashcard notes in that manner. Um, And I always looked at each line, each, each bullet point I had created over the months on the, on the flashcard was a question about that topic I could answer. And so for like traditional defined benefit pension plan, maybe I had 17 things on there and my attitude became bring it on i know a whole bunch about those plans what do you want to ask me cuz i bet it's one of the 17 things that that i have spent some time with and it was a real confidence boost
2: yeah and again going back to merging your two points where you know mike uh, i'm sorry jerry said to uh, to get some sleep No better way to get some sleep than start going through flashcards and estate planning. Uh, That'll put you right out. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: This is actually probably
0: a tip I I wanted to say on an episode a while ago, but uh, this is a tip that was given to me when I was in college, and I've never realized how true it was until it was spoken out loud. But don't study in your bed. When you are in your bed, your body is used to Hmm. sleeping. So if you study in your bed, you're just going to tell be telling your body that it's time to go to sleep and you're going to start drifting off and you're not going to be paying your full attention to your to your study material. Um, you know, when you're studying, study in a location where you're used to studying, you know, at your desk, at your office or in your workspace at home. But if you just try and, you know, read some tax law while p- with some pillows propped up in bed, you're going to find yourself drifting off to sleep more often than not.
2: Interesting.
1: That's a good point. Yep. So we're at we're at the stage here where you're 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 still a day or two before uh, exam day and. You know, like I said, if you if you don't know where your testing site is and it's 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 not too far out of your way, I'd go find out where it is. Find out if there's any uh, road closures already as we get into, you know, construction season.
0: Yeah. Listen listen to that dad advice. I remember that. So when I was right out of college taking the series seven exam. But my, my dad was like, all right, get your jacket. Come with me. I'm like, where are we going? He's like, "Well, we're going to go see where your testing site is. And we got in the car and he drove me over to where the testing site was. And we looked around the area. We saw where the parking lots were. Uh, you know, we saw what was around in the area as far as food wise. Uh, it's definitely valuable to scout out the location. So you're not going to a brand new place in a brand new uh, location without having any experience there it really takes a lot of the stress out of it on that early morning
1: yeah because they um, you know the start time is the start time you're on your way and and the line would uh, to check in you know maybe maybe we segue into that now uh, you, you know you might get nervous if you have a really long line yeah. Well, um, to try to get through the check-in. Yeah, let's transition.
0: So now now it's day of the exam. What should be people doing on the day of the exam? Uh, so you've already, you know, got your eating in line. You've scouted the area. You've uh, got your mind in the right place. You're thinking positively. And now it's test day.
2: Well, obviously, before you leave the house, make sure you've got your calculator with you. Uh, if you haven't changed batteries in the calculator in a little while, I mean, you, a lot of us will use it a lot during the practice Tests and, and questions leading up to the exam, you might want to have some extra batteries with you just in case it dies. Um, but you want to make sure that you, you everything that you need to be successful, you want to have with you when you leave the house as opposed to getting there and realizing that you forgot it.
0: And honestly, even beyond additional batteries, if you have a friend who's taking the exam on a different day or you just have another friend in the office who's a CFP already and has the calculator, see if you can borrow theirs. Um, you can bring multiple calculators into the exam, and if your calculator's batteries die in the middle of the exam, you're not really going to want to be fiddling with replacing batteries and eating up valuable time. You just want to put that calculator aside and pick up the new calculator and just get right back into it. And I would
2: also encourage the use of just a simple arithmetic calculator. Uh, so you, if you're using, you know, let's say the HP-12C, uh, which is in reverse Polish notation, uh, you know, doing arithmetic on that is just a hassle. So just just bring, you know, some dumb solar powered arithmetic calculator to do your simple calculations on.
0: People often ask this. There is the uh, the computer calculator. There's like a little app for a simple calculator on the computer. But anyone who's used a computer calculator knows it's just not the same thing as you know right. having it in your hands, especially when you have, when you're going through like a long series of calculations.
2: And if you've used it, you know, again, trying to replicate your test environment, if you've used it in the practice test or, you know, during your study, if you've used a handheld arithmetic calculator, then, you know, something simple like that might be enough to throw you off your game if you start using the, the computer's calculator. So you want, you want to bring with you the things that you use to prepare.
1: Yep. So, yeah. And be rather obsessive about clearing out after every problem. Yes. So you don't get stuck with things in memory, and then you don't match the next one, and you begin to panic. Right. Just keep clearing. Yeah, Clear, <laughs> clear
2: everything. Yeah, clear 2 plus 2. Clear it after that. I 100% yep. agree with that point.
0: Nothing worse than that error 7 message on your calculator when you're yeah. in the middle of the test. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, what did I do wrong? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, Yeah. Three three things your your financial calculator, a basic dumb calculator, and then either a backup financial calculator or batteries for your backup financial for your
1: uh, financial calculator. Yep. And you have to put what tape on the back if there are the formulas, formulas yep. on the case and. Um, and then you'll have a locker assigned that you can put things um, in. And you have to put everything in there, and, right? So you can only walk into that yeah. test
2: room with your license, I believe, and your calculators. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. it's very, very strict. And, uh, and after the 40-minute break, don't wait to 39 minutes and, and, and 30 seconds to get back in line because your clock at your computer terminal will begin after the 40th minute. So don't get stuck in a long line that may cost you two, three, four minutes on your on your next session. Yeah. And even if
0: your testing center is in an area with lots of restaurants around or fast food, I would still recommend bringing your lunch. Um, it's just one less thing you have to worry about. It's one more thing that you have prepared and feel confident that you know is exactly what you're expecting. You know, you don't have to scramble off to a fast food restaurant to get some food that's probably not very good for you anyways. Uh, And then have to worry about any mistakes or slowdowns or if it's really busy, you know, just take that variable out of the things that you're worried about.
1: And my style. So my advice is go eat it in your car. Yeah. Don't engage other candidates. And there may be no other candidates with you. Right. Yeah.
2: I mean, there may be people doing continuing education for neuroscience you know who knows there's there's gonna be a wide spectrum there but yeah, don't talk to people about the test not going to do you any good
1: yeah because it just you know I always assume that my students are the smartest ones in the room and the and the best prepared so if they start talking to someone who makes a very strong case about an answer choice that that I didn't pick I might start to doubt myself So just stay away. Yep. Just stay away, like they have the flu, and you're not going to catch or it. the yeah. coronavirus. Also, yeah,
0: <laughs> panic. Panic is contagious because even yep. if they don't make a strong case for something, they could just be lamenting about all these hard questions that they don't know the answer to. And whether you know it or not, that panic can start kind of creeping in on you. You will right. start giving you second second thoughts, and you know, just keep to yourself. Just don't talk to anyone and stay in that good headspace.
1: Yeah, it just do yourself a favor and stay away. And guys, did we did we learn after November, has the board indeed gotten all of the K-type questions out or are they still working on that?
0: Uh, I don't think I heard any reports from the last cycle of any of them. Um, I think they're completely out there. I wouldn't be surprised if someone sees one or two on their exam. Okay. But from my understanding, they're pretty much all gone.
2: I agree with that.
1: Okay, great. And, and what that for those of you that don't know them as K type, that's where you have a short uh, question stem followed by typically four statements uh, and then the answers are the combinations of those statements.
0: Yeah. Mo- a lot of people refer to those as the Roman numeral questions. Um, yeah. So Roman numeral questions are, are pretty much gone.
1: So that's good news for test takers, I believe. Um, and I think it's it, it's one of the reasons they took them out is because there's a certain skill that one has to have to work those kind of questions that really doesn't have anything to do about the content. Right. Um, so I think that's a good move on the board's part. So, what you're going to be seeing are question stems of various lengths. And then four answer choices uh, A, B, C, D.
0: Yeah. Well, what really annoyed me with those is those were the types of questions that were more likely than not to have a bunch of double negatives in them, and people would just get them wrong for stupid reasons. Yep. Like, even beyond just RTFQ the question, just like they read the question, they understood it, it's just the double negatives just didn't click for them.
1: Yeah, I I don't care for that kind of question.
0: So our understanding is not every test center has the formula sheets in paper form. Every test center has them in digital form where you'll see them on the computer. Um, But some of the test centers will also have them printed out. And you'll more likely than not have to request those formula sheets. So there's no harm in doing it. Uh, I I would definitely do it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, even if you are someone who likes the computer screen and you're all about it, still ask for the formula sheets in paper, because if nothing else, it's just more scrap, scrap room to work with. Um, they only- well, And you can practice
1: that at home, you know, identifying them. Yes. Yeah. Because they will be in the same order, uh, but they won't be labeled. Mm-hmm. So you'll have to know which one's sharp and which one's trainer. Yep. So just print some out at home and practice it. Yeah. Being able to write notes in the margins,
0: little things like that, those those really help. And also, as far as scrap paper goes, you're only allowed two pieces of scrap paper at a time. If you fill up your scrap paper and you need more, you have to turn in your pieces of scrap paper to get fresh sheets, which is <laughs> kind of funny. But it's a good thing to keep in mind if you're someone who likes, uh, you know, doing a lot of hand calculations on paper.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm and i would and same with the tax tables yes. to i hope everybody's been studying with them for a long time now but you want to be familiar with those tax tables and there's a surprising amount of information that's provided in there particularly in the retirement area things that do not need to be memorized and you want to practice with those here down the stretch so that you know Not only what all's in there, but where approximately in that handout does this information exist or that information exists. So you don't spend a lot of time digging through it. Yeah.
0: Well, for me, my biggest thing is, especially in this day and age, almost everyone's workstation has the double monitor now. You know, I remember when I first got into the industry and we switched from the single monitor workstations to double monitoring workstations, what a huge change it is. And if you go to the testing centers, it's only going to have a single monitor. And a lot of people aren't used to that. Going from a two-monitor workstation to a one-monitor workstation, you don't realize just how much more inefficient it is. So having those tax tables and formula sheets on on printouts is just less clutter for your computer screen.
2: It just increases your efficiency. You're not clicking around from window to window. Right.
1: And if that's something that that makes you feel nervous... um, I believe it, it, that most, if not all of these prometrics centers, you can go do a test run of the, of the computer terminal. That's a good idea. So you can see what it's looking like. You could practice using the, the highlighting tool and the strikeout tool. And uh, I think there's, I think control F is a search tool um, that I didn't know existed yep. <laughs> uh, years ago. <laughs> But, you know, if that would help with nerves, then go, go, go to the center, check it out, sit down, do the little 10 questions or whatever they can give you and practice using those tools. Definitely.
2: And with the formula sheet, as you know, one of the other things that I would do, uh, as you're, you know, doing your final preps with your, uh, flashcards is, is start getting, if you, if you have the ability to capture that, um, That formula sheet on paper. Do do the brain dump on that where you you know you cross out the standard deviation equations. You don't need them. The calculator does it for you. Uh, If you want to circle the the equations uh, or the formulas that involve beta, uh, just so it, it helps you avoid those those simple and stupid mistakes that we all make.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you a stupid mistake that I always make is if I'm looking at the formula sheet quickly, I'll always confuse. The uh, trainer formula and the tax equivalent yield formula because whenever I see T-E-Y, it just – for whatever reason, it just, my brain automatically fills in trainer and I'll I'll like just immediately jump to That's that. That's not a good mistake. So it, It's not a good mistake. So if you have those little like quirks, make sure you're on top of them and especially when things like the formula sheet and brain dump, like be careful because – when you're in the test and you're taking those questions, uh, avoiding those stupid mistakes is super important.
2: Yeah, the test environment is going to just and be that one... much more stressful, right? So you're gonna you're gonna have more opportunity to make those mistakes because, regardless of how comfortable you are, how confident you are, just being in that environment adds a little bit of duress. It just it, it's just a different it's just different.
1: Yeah, you're just surrounded by people that are so stressed out. Yeah, right, <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: <clears throat> and yeah everyone has those little quirks it's just important to be aware of them and be able to counteract them and if you're aware of them it's a, it's a lot easier to counteract them yes mm-hmm. uh and then i guess do we want to close it out with uh brain dump advice uh you know we've talked about doing a brain dump on uh the scratch piece of paper uh and i think it's good for people to do them but mike you brought up a good point before we started recording that even more important is to not spend too much time making your brain dumb sheet.
1: Yeah. Cause the clock, uh, my understanding, I never used one. So, um, but my understanding is they won't let you sit there and write notes for 20 minutes before you start your exam. If you're going to write, uh, the clock has to be started. Right. And, and I am assuming you guys have heard the same thing. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So be, you know, be careful about what all, and then practice now at how few words you can get that trigger uh, down to. Um, yeah, I, there's a couple other things I want to talk about too. Though uh, we can do brain dump first if you want, but I want to talk about case studies. Yeah, yes. we'll, we'll get into the case studies after that. Um, okay,
0: I was gonna say with uh, with your brain dump sheet, it should almost look like a court stenographer's uh, notes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, get it get it down so it's just there to trigger your memory. Just getting like yeah, the sweet. shape of it down. Uh, you know, maybe you're drawing your, your bond seesaw with your options box, you know, and you don't need to fill in everything. It's just putting the shape there and, you know, maybe the initials and things like that. Just the very basics that you need in order for your memory to be triggered. You don't need to make a, a pretty fully fleshed out textbook graphic on your brain dump sheet
1: yeah that's where all those acronyms come in handy right Right. um so yeah just just think about it but by by all means practice it and remember like was it detective friday from dragnet
2: just the facts just just deal with the facts yeah Yeah, don't don't
1: (laughs) just the facts
2: don't write a book. No one's going to read it (laughs) because you write the book. It's going to get thrown out when you walk out of the testing center. Right. So so don't waste a lot of time on it.
0: Yeah. Let's let's now dive into uh, case studies, uh, because that is a very important part. And I feel it's a part that uh, students start to freak out over a little bit.
1: Yeah. And the uh, case studies um, have changed a a little bit, I think, since uh, certainly since paper and pencil exam. Um, But when it when the test first went computer-based everyone would report they saw one case study now you hear reports that there was a case study in each session and um but the good news is they're phenomenally shorter than what they were when it was paper yeah. and pencil yep, the yeah. dissertations and and then you'll have some others that are like mini cases yeah. where you have a pretty expanded question stem and then maybe two three four related questions so the case study uh, the the case facts are available on a you know drop down tab do, do they sometimes still pass those out paper and pencil guys
0: not that i know of i, have I don't not heard think that, any yeah. I don't think any questions are ever done paper and pencil.
1: okay um, so so you have a drop down tab, and then um, what happens when you click into the questions, the screen splits, and the case facts are going to run down one side of the screen, and then on the other side of the screen, there will be two, three, four questions related, and then you scroll to the rest of them so you can you can scroll uh, the case facts to find the information you need to answer. Uh, the the question you're working on and most students have come out over the years and said um, I just went straight to the questions instead of trying to do a deep read on the case facts I went into the questions and it saved me time because then I could just go back and and scroll to find the information Um, so just Kind of be prepared for how you're going to do that, but more and more tell me they're not spending a great deal of time in the case facts before they dive into the questions. And absolutely
2: don't waste time reading financial statements. Um, Again, if you're going to get a question on it, just at that point, go and look for the number. I mean, the financial statements is really no benefit to reading those at all unless there's an actual question. However... Mike's made a couple of references to RTFQ and RTFA, which is read the questions, read the answers. I'll add one more to that, which is RTFF, read the footnotes, right? So we want to read the footnotes because yes. there's a tremendous amount of valuable information there, and it's it's a, a place that's ripe for questions.
0: Yeah, and the, and those especially are the types of questions they like to ask on the case study where you know they'll ask for the uh, client's net worth, and it'll have it all listed out in the financial statement – and then there's a little footnote underneath that says like, oh, their mortgage is already prepaid. So even though it's listed on the financial sheet, it's not really actually there because right. they already have funds set aside to
1: pay it off. Right. So Yeah, well, mortgage is a good example because uh on the statement of financial position, the current balance of that mortgage would be shown in the liabilities. But you'll probably have a question involving refinancing. Yep. Yeah. So we oh, need yeah. to we need to know well what's the Rate what was terms. the original balance? Yep. You'll also establish often that basis. original balance yep. is in the footnotes. Yep. Yeah,
0: that's the difference between you know spending five minutes doing a complicated amortization calculation or just realizing that it's just provided for you in the footnotes.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, and that that's just it. Like, why waste any time? It, if it's just a, a simple you know factual question, bang, it's right there in the footnotes. You're done. You don't have to waste any time at all. Um,
1: yeah. And the the longest case I've heard of thus far, uh, was fifteen questions in this format. Whereas in paper and pencil, we had twenty five uh, and thirty question yeah. cases, yep. and and maybe thirty pages of uh, of case facts. Yep. Yeah. So whether you see just one or whether you see one in each session, um, you know, just get in there, open up the questions, start scrolling like a little treasure hunt for your answers. Yep. I always liked i i always liked reading the questions first because i could find one or two questions that i really didn't need to look at the case facts to answer because it was so general Mm -hmm. and it just that's a boost when you're tired and you know ready to be done it's a boost like oh i can answer that right now yeah and it just puts you a few seconds ahead Yeah. If anything,
0: I know some people have a hard time, which is jumping straight to the questions. If anything, just read that like little fluff paragraph at the beginning of the case study where it introduces you to the clients, because, you know, that that helps some people just having an idea in mind of who they're actually working with. Um, That's
1: a great point. That is a really great point, because you pick up a lot of demographic information Mm -hmm. in that first paragraph or so. And then I've always thought that that starts triggering your brain based on those demographics of what kind of things should I be looking for? uh, I might get asked, is it a young family? Is it a widow or widower? Is it a small business owner? Mm -hmm. I mean, you can start rattling. You're doing it right now. Right now. You're probably thinking of, okay, for that's that young family. What are the really key areas for them? Yeah.
0: And watch out for juniors. I've noticed that come up a, a, a bit more frequently is, uh, they'll have like client and then client junior, and if you're not careful, you'll start answering the question for the client, but the question's really asking about their son or daughter. So they'll have like Tom the client and then Tom Junior the client's mm-hmm. son, and you'll have to be doing the question based on the uh, metrics for the son. But if you're not careful, you might think about doing it from the father's time horizon, and you
1: end up getting the wrong the wrong answer
0: because of it.
1: Yeah. That's nasty. Doesn't sound like a big deal, maybe, but under the pressure of the exam, um, you know, that's an easy mistake to make. Then the other thing I want to talk about um, along these lines is changing answers. And Mm. my advice with that is the NFL replay rule. Unless you find irrefutable evidence when you look at it again that you missed something uh, material, don't touch it. Leave it alone. And by all means, do not mark Every other question for review, you're not going to have time to go back and look at 50 or 60 questions, but you want to be able to get to the ones that you really need to review. And that
2: review later kind of feeds into itself, right? So if you start really checking those off, then you're going to start thinking, okay, well, I should review it, it, Your bar gets a lot lower every single time uh, you, you do that. So to Mike's point, you, you want to make sure that it's something that you really think that you might consider a different answer for uh, down the road the other thing, too, is you might find answers to previous questions in the test, you know? So you can use some time at the end if you say, well, you know what? I I, I think I answered this one way, but when I just read that other question, it kind of told me I should be answering the other way. And it's okay to try to go back and hunt for those later. But, you know, outside of that, don't make those changes.
1: Yeah, 100%. But- I also don't believe in bouncing around in the exam. Nope going searching for easier questions or saving the case to the end when it really shows up at the beginning of, of a session. It could be anywhere in the session. Uh, my my advice is go straight through, yep. just plow straight through. There was a person um, in in my exam many years ago sat behind me and was jumping around, got out of order, and completely lost lost it just had a total meltdown never came back left the room and and didn't come back but he had been jumping around the book looking for easier things and um just don't do it plow straight ahead and give it your best shot as you see it
0: straight on till morning (laughs) (laughs) awesome well to wrap it up any last little tidbit or bit of advice that you'd guys like to share with the uh
2: listeners I would make sure you find the bar that you want to go to after the test is over. Have that, <laughs> do the dry run on that too because you'll definitely need it. Uh, and yeah.
1: Just- yeah, and call us from there. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's always- be, be confident. Uh, I just want to say you can do this. this. This test is totally passable. Yep. Don't you think for a minute you don't have it in you. You would not be a candidate for CFP if you had not had academic success in the past. You, you totally, totally can pass this test. So believe, just breathe and believe and know that we believe in you and are rooting for you and we will be very anxious to hear from you uh, after, after the exam to celebrate with you. But breathe and believe.
2: Yep, yeah, and awesome. I a, lo- a lot of people around you believe in, in in your ability to pass the test, and it's just a, Typically, we're the last ones to believe that we can do something like this, right? And and so once you you, you flip that switch and and think, you know, I start talking very optimistically about y- your passing. Uh, the sooner you can do that, the better it will be for you.
0: Awesome stuff, guys. Well, good luck to everyone sitting good luck. for the March exam. Uh, Probably our July test takers listening to this, or maybe uh, (laughs) having cold feet. We might have just scared some of the July test takers away. But uh, get back to work. Yeah, Yeah. don't don't worry, guys. You you got plenty of more time for our March test takers. Uh, It's game time. You put in the work. Now it's time to get the payoff. Uh, You're gonna do great, and uh, we'll see you all next month.